welcome in to another episode of the Can You Fantasy Football Podcast. Today, Thursday, September 30th, your hosts, Cody Allen, Nick. Hey, everybody. Hope everybody's having a wonderful thirsty Thursday watching some football out there. Hey, yeah, I mean, it's Al's favorite day of the week. Well, the even better part is tomorrow's Friday. <laughs> Al loves the football on Thursdays, but I think he likes the thirsty part even better. Yeah, you know, I, I, I like to have an occasional beer or two here and there. When you're watching football on a Thursday night, Al, what is your favorite part about starting your week, especially week four? Tonight's matchup, the Bengals play the Jaguars. What are you looking for? I just like watching my guys, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's before Sunday, you get to, you get to start off the week, hopefully good, either that, or you could just get uh, very frustrated and uh, watch your guys do absolutely nothing. So, you know, it, it gets you all excited for the week to come and, or get you down in the dumps. So that's, that's my favorite part. Just watching football. So you tell me, are you looking forward to be down in the dumps tonight after Joe Mixon doesn't get into the end zone? Oh gosh, I hope he does. If if he doesn't, then it's yes, it's going to be a very very rough Friday morning for me. You can cry yourself to sleep if that happens. I'll I'll, I'll do my best not to, but no. Hopefully, you can punch a couple in and and go for about a, a buck fifty on the ground. That would be an incredible incredible start to your week if he did that. Now I'm kind of disappointed in the matchups. Not going to lie, you get to see Joe Burrow play against Trevor Lawrence, which. I guess that's a narrative in and of itself, but we started this season with Tom Brady against Dak Prescott, one of the best football games. Still, we watched three weeks full of football, and that to me was by far the most entertaining game. To me, that that that's Thursday night football, though. I I they don't really give the high primetime games Thursday. You know, you, this is what you get. You you get Cincinnati versus Jacksonville. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's still football, you know, I, it's going to be tough to match that, that Dallas Tampa Bay game, but that that's Thursday night football, man. Yeah. I mean, this is uh Cincinnati and Jacksonville sure is not Dallas and Tampa Bay that we got to start the season off with, but uh, you know what? Hopefully they put on a good show and uh, at least make it entertaining for us. I mean, you got two young, you know, promising quarterbacks. So if nothing else, uh, it'll be fun to, you know, see how they perform. And here's a fun narrative for you. Dan Arnold, Sam Darnold was throwing the ball to Dan Arnold in Carolina last week on Thursday night football. And now Dan Arnold is back playing Thursday night football again, but not wearing the, uh, the blue and white jerseys. You know, Dan Arnold probably just uh, booked a couple tea times for, you know, in Arizona for the NFL playoff times, because he just went from a playoff contender to Jacksonville. So I'm sure he's extremely happy about that. Yeah, he gets to get on the, the golf course sooner. I would be happy about that. I just, it, it is interesting. I, I don't quite understand the trade, especially on Carolina's side. What was, what was the trade? It was a second Round it, pick. Was, it was a third round pick and Dan Arnold for CJ Henderson. I believe it's CJ Henderson, who was Jacksonville's first round pick last year, 2020. He's a defensive back and Carolina made the trade because they are really struggling. They, they obviously they have the JC Horn injury in the secondary there. So they needed someone, they needed a cornerback to come in and play. And that's why they made the trade. Uh, obviously they thought Dan Arnold would be replaceable. I I'm not, they have, um, Tommy Tremble, the rookie, and then they have, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank, but, uh, Ian, Ian, uh, anyways, Thomas, Ian Thomas. I'm sorry. God, I, I kept thinking Julian Thomas and definitely not Julian Thomas. The old touchdown stud for Jacksonville, by the way, and Denver, but, uh, I really like to watch you struggle there. Yeah, you know, it happens every once in a while. It happens. All right. So I, at least what I think is Carolina must thought must have thought that they can cover the tight end position and they needed more help in the secondary. So that's why they made that trade. It kind of surprised me that Jacksonville gave up 
on a first round pick that quickly, you know, especially a team that doesn't have a great defense, but I guess we'll see how it, uh, how it shakes out. Yeah. So it is interesting. You mentioned those, those names, uh, CJ Henderson was a first round pick in 2020 for Jacksonville. So that is interesting that they moved on from him so quickly. The details of the trade, Dan Arnold and a third round pick in 2022, for CJ Henderson and a fifth round pick in 2022. Okay. So, so they did, they did get a, I, I, I forgot about the fifth round pick. So, I mean, honestly, Carolina is doing what they have to do to win now. I mean, they, they lost their first round pick, their first round D back that they were real high on for indefinitely. I don't know if he's officially been ruled out for the season or not, but I know they said out indefinitely pretty much immediately. So obviously that doesn't affect our fantasy takes too much, but, Dan Arnold going to Jacksonville might because they don't have much at the tight end position. So he could, he could sneak into streamer streamer status. there going forward. It is interesting that we're talking about tight ends on, on Thursday night in the, in this trade. I do think that Dan Arnold might be someone you keep an eye on and could be a streaming option for those who are struggling with tight ends, but who's the tight end on the other side of the ball? Who is the tight end for Cincinnati again? CJ Uzama. CJ who's your mama? Yeah, kind of TJ's brother. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. Well, hopefully uh we have a tight end shootout tonight in uh Thursday night football to get us fired up for the weekend. Oh yeah. Everyone a tight end shootout is like a bass solo, man. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Oh, well, let's, uh, <laughs> that, that was pretty good, Nick. I'm not, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> let's get, let's get into it. We have a episode in front of us here today where we have brought in our first guest of the show. Levi Howe joins us. We're excited to bring on some guests for this show moving forward. Levi breaks the ice today. And, uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to that. We also have a couple of names to go through a list of names to go through on injury status as we approach the weekend here. So it is Thursday. We'll get our, our best update on updates on where we're at with players going into the weekend. And then we have, of course, our start sit for week four. So we have many good questions that came in on Instagram and Facebook and a few people that had texted and called us as well. So let's get into it with uh, news and notes. Nick, our expert lead us down this path. Yeah. I mean, uh, Thursday is usually a, you know, a big day for injury news. Uh, one of the last practices of the week. Uh, so we did have some interesting uh, injury news today. T Higgins plays tonight. Uh, he has been ruled out. So if you had T Higgins in your receiver slot or flex spot, make sure you get him out. Uh, Deontay Johnson for Pittsburgh. We talked about him uh, over the, over the last week or so. He has been lo- uh, logging limited practice time. He's trending towards playing, so keep an eye on that uh, going forward. But I think he'll play this week, and you should be able to use Deontay Johnson. This next one, Antonio Gibson actually missed practice today or got injured at practice, missed the rest of the practice with a shin injury. It's definitely something to keep an eye on, um, and they haven't released any more details on it, whether it, whether it's going to affect his playing status this week. But obviously, you're starting Antonio Gibson if you have him most likely. So keep, keep, keep your eye on that status going forward. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Baltimore missed his second consecutive practice. He's got a bad back right now, which is not good for any position, especially a quarterback. He plays the 325 game uh, this weekend. So if you're going to start him, make sure you have another option in your lineup that plays the afternoon game or the Monday night game, Sunday night game that you can put in in case Lamar Jackson ends up missing that game. Uh, Tony Pollard in Dallas didn't practice on Thursday. Keep your eye on him. Uh, he's gotten a lot of work to start the season. Is a solid flex uh, each week going forward. We talked about that before, so keep your eye on him. Daryl Henderson uh, has been practicing in a limited capacity this week. He is expected back this weekend. But with like, like all these guys that are limited practice, keep your eye on him going into the weekend. But I think you're probably safe to put Daryl Henderson back in your lineup. Uh, Antonio Brown has been activated off the COVID reserve list. He should be good to play this week. Um, 
Delvin Cook is back at practice. So Vikings fan, fingers crossed. We really want to see Delvin Cook back. Madison played great, but we want Cook back in the lineup. And our final one here, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton are all still very iffy. I don't think any of them have officially been ruled out yet, but they're all trending towards not playing this week with hamstring injuries. It has not been a good couple weeks for the hamstring injuries. So especially with A.J. Brown and Julio, keep your eye on them. They're not looking like they're going to play. So make sure you have a backup option going into the weekend. A lot of news to digest there, guys. What do, what do, what do you guys think about that? A lot of big names in that, in that uh, update for us here. I'll hop in here. So with Higgins out, I'm definitely starting Jamar Chase tonight, firing him up where I can. And I had mentioned that on Instagram earlier today as well. So I gave our listeners a heads up prior to tonight's game. Uh, Deontay Johnson logging the limited practice he is looking like he's going to be back. I'm actually happy to have him back. I have him in many of my leagues. I'm going to fire him right back up. Uh, when he went down, we had a listener message us about trading him away because he can't seem to stay healthy. Uh, if he stays healthy, he is Big Ben's number one target. Let's not forget that Najee Harris had 19 targets last week. Big Ben's just going to keep peppering every single receiving option with targets. So whoever it is that's starting for Pittsburgh, especially with the other two, actually, I don't know if you had mentioned that, but both Juju and Claypool were uh, limited at practice today as well. So Deontay Johnson might be the most healthy out of these three when I thought the exact opposite before this week. So uh, something to watch. And that's the biggest underlying message is watch. Watch what happens over the weekend and have a plan B for all these options. Have a plan B for Gibson if he doesn't go have a plan B, as Nick said, for Lamar. If he's not able to go, you want to start these players as your plan A, but have a plan B in place. Pollard, uh, something that you, you're going to have to figure out what to do with the flex. Henderson expected to play in week four is exciting, but there is Sony Michelle there now. You know, he didn't have a terrible week. I had actually said that he wasn't going to have a good week. It wasn't all that bad. So with some of that work that he got last week, expect Henderson to split some of that workload up with, with him. And you have uh, a couple other things here. More, more so than anything, those, those wide receivers, you weren't expecting them to play. So we'll, we'll get into some start sets. Hopefully some of those can help you in your matchups here in week four. Yeah, and I have one more thing to add. And that, like Cody said, make sure you have options. If you have a guy like Chase Claypool and you're able to put him in your flex spot rather than, you know, if, you, if you've got a rec- another receiver, you know, you want to start and you've got him in your flex spot, put, put your injured, your iffy guy in the flex spot. That way, if he doesn't end up playing or if something breaks late, you have the option to put, a, you know, a tight end or a running back, not just a receiver in for that guy. I actually had to do it for DeAndre Hopkins last week. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is my wide receiver one, but he was a game time decision and I moved him to my flex because my second option would have ended up being a running back. So just make sure you're aware and keep your eye on those news breakers. Like Cody said in our last episode, Sleeper does the Sleeper app does an extremely good job uh, getting you that info. But, you know, keep your eye on the on the injury news going into the weekend and into into Sunday morning. And those are some really helpful tips there, Nick. In fact, one of these episodes here, guys, we'll, we'll have to do a top five management tips episode where uh, we, we each give our top five tips for our listeners. One, one of my top five for a spoiler alert for that episode is going to be to move your players out of your flex spot from Thursday night games and early Sunday matchup games. Make sure that your flex is somebody from the afternoon games, the evening games on Sunday and also on Monday. So they have more flexibility in changing those players in and out of your lineup. So if a, for example, if you had, uh, you know, T Higgins, you were going to put him into your wide receiver position tonight. Although, you know, Nick, you had given the, the uh, suggestion to put your questionable players in your flex, but what you want to do for Thursday night games, put him in your wide receiver slot. If he doesn't play, take him out. You know, Jamar Chase, for example, should be, in your wide receiver slot tonight for Thursday night football should not be in your flex. You got to give yourself some flexibility going into the weekend. 
All right. Welcome in. We have our first guest on the show. We've mentioned this for a while now that we, we've been wanting to bring guests on and ask them some, some fantasy football questions. Today, we bring in longtime friend Levi Howe. Levi, how's it going? Uh, so far, it's been going good. Uh, we just got a little bit of rain here in Fargo, but outside that, it's been pretty good. Awesome. So like I said, I've known Levi a long time, grew up in the same town as Levi, uh, went to the same church and have spent a lot of time outside of playing fantasy football, hanging out. I want to know how long have you been playing fantasy football? Because we've been in a, many leagues together over the years. Yeah, I think for me, started back when we had our original How League, which counted like all of our family. That was like our aunt's uncles mainly just her aunt missy because she wanted rubber in her face being a packers fan and all that uh but yeah so it's probably been what is it probably 15 16 years since i started i got to take over a team that was with my dad back when carson palmer was still relevant and i always wanted to pick randy moss first overall and that paid off for me in 2007 finally when he didn't have to play for the stinking raiders and that's what kind of got me hooked on it is just you get to cheer on some of your favorite players, even when the Vikings aren't doing the best. Levi, you know, this, this has happened to me before and it's rough. Uh, what kind of tips do you have for, for our listeners who've started their season off 0-3 and might be a little discouraged with their teams currently? Well, it's funny that you ask that. I actually have a team right now that's 0-3. <laughs> Not just in Dynasty, but in Redraft too. Um, but I would say for like those of you in redraft, don't panic. I've seen a lot of guys, we've had friends in some of our leagues. He just blows up his team because guys aren't producing yet. And then you find out that the teams that end up winning that year have basically his whole core of his original team that he traded away. And they ended up pulling it out for him at the end of the season. And so what I would say, if you're stuck in a situation like that, don't just trade away your guys just because you want to. Um, look to get some value back or even like target some lower end guys. Like, and you might not be the flashiest guy, but for this year, like Derek Carr, you can probably get him pretty cheap, even though he's still producing at a high level as far as quarterbacks go. Uh, for receivers, you could look at guys. I know he hasn't produced much yet, but I think Robert Woods, once he gets that connection with Matthew Stafford, could get closer to that somewhere middle of the road wide receiver two instead of being stuck at your wider three wide receiver three flex option right now uh running backs you're probably not going to get the cream of the crop especially with all the injuries this year but if you look at guys you can maybe get a guy like gaskin or something who still has ppr appeal in some of those leagues and you know they're going to have to get him the ball and it's going to be more open as they get those receivers back uh you could even look at guys like I mean, if you're lucky, you could get Kareem Hunt. I don't know if you can get him cheap enough yet, but maybe you get James Robinson because everyone's down on him, including Urban Meyer. But I don't know. Those are just some things that I would say. Also, like with your tight end position, if you want to trade, maybe try to get Higby, maybe try to get Gronk, but uh, you're going to be lucky to get Gronk, but Higby might be a better option. Or a guy like Gerald Everett. Also, I don't know if you feel like playing it risky you could shoot for some of those rookie guys that haven't quite popped off yet like I mean Waddle just got a bunch of catches but he didn't get a bunch of yards but I think he could be something that by the end of the year you could actually get some consistency out of you might be able to try get Devonta Smith cheaper you're not going to get him in dynasty leagues yet but in redraft leagues you might be able to get him also I don't know there's a lot of options out there ways to go about it but I wouldn't say don't like don't write off the whole ship just because you're zero and three. Like you got to be patient. I mean, don't give up because if you give up, you're not going to have any fun and you're going to be wishing that you could just draft again. And that's not going to come until next August. Yeah, definitely don't give up guys. Uh, the first championship I ever won, I started the season zero and seven. I ended up winning the next six weeks backing into the playoffs as a total po high, total points wild card and ended up winning the league. So yep. don't give up, you know, try to shake up your roster a little bit. There's always things you can do. What are your thoughts on like trying to acquire a dude like Brandon cooks? 
Ooh, I mean, I love Brandon Cooks. Uh, and if uh, it, it might be tough right now because he's played so well to start the season, even in that yep. terrible Houston offense, but uh, he's going to get the volume all year. And he's a, he's yep. a guy that I love, especially in a PPR half point PPR league, you know, yep. and uh, it, it, you can wait, you know, if he has a kind of a down week this week, I'd swoop in and see what, see if you can make a move with that owner. Yeah, well, he, I think he's been doing that all year without getting the touchdowns either, which is nice to have that safe floor. He can produce without touchdowns. Yeah, and so, something to add there too, Levi, you had, you had mentioned don't give up. Nick jumped in and said, I started the season 0-7, won my next six games, I snuck into playoffs, and I won. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that there are 14 regular season games in fantasy football this season where we're used to seeing mm-hmm. 13. And, yep. uh, you know, you start the season 0-5, 0-6, we might still be having the same conversation of don't give up because you just yep. never know what can happen in those those next seven, eight, nine games. Well, I think also another thing that comes to mind, too, you guys have brought it up a couple episodes ago, but trying to see if you can get, like, Jeff Wilson on your team or some of those guys that are hurt, but that they'll come back. See if you can get them. Like, I think Judy, he's going to be coming back later this season, too. And with that injury to Hamler, like, that just makes it wide, like, more wide open for him once he gets back. Because I don't know what Tim Patrick's going to do once Judy gets back, but that could be an option, too. Something something that uh, we haven't talked about much is the teams that have started 3-0. and And those teams should actually be targeting people like Mar- Michael Thomas, who yep. are possibly on those 0-3 rosters on the IR spot, or if they even don't have an IR spot, perhaps just sitting there on the bench. And those 0-3 teams that are holding on to Michael Thomas, you can target those those managers and try to acquire a player like him where they need players in a win-down situation. Yeah, I mean, Winston hasn't really thrown the ball to anyone else but Kamara, so when that gets back, you might get Slant Boy back. Slant Boy, we haven't brought that up yet because we haven't had a we don't have any reason to talk about Slant Boy in this episode or this this uh, no, season of the podcast. He's been surprisingly quiet this off season, outside of his surgery late in the summer. But hey, Levi, I'm uh, I'm gonna hop in here, and I I just want to say thanks for coming on. It's great to see you. Uh, yeah, it's always good know, seeing friendly faces. Hope, hope all is well out there in Fargo. Um, you know, you you talked a little bit earlier about you know having a family league and, and, and just having fun with fantasy football. Now, you, you know, what is your favorite part of fantasy football? You know, I, I, I got to start playing fantasy with you last year in the, in the dynasty yep. league and, and you had mentioned dynasty and redraft now, uh, yep. you know, you want to just kind of, kind of hit on a couple parts. So, you know, what's your favorite part and you know, what in both parts of which leagues, you know, just, yep. just to kind of give the, the listeners a little more perspective that every league has its own fun. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Like the fun thing with how fantasy football has come about, even since the time we started is you get all these new formats and there's still some that like, I've never tried best ball, but I think that would be fun too. But I think ultimately, like initially what one of my favorite parts about fantasy football was, is like, it gave me a reason to be able to still watch football when the Vikings let me down year after year after year, because that's my first and favorite team, whether they win or lose. Um, and so like just getting that opportunity to watch some of my favorite players play, even if they don't wear purple and gold, like, I just think that's awesome. Like when Randy Moss got traded, when I was younger, I still wanted to watch him because I wore his Jersey until it turned pink. It used to be purple, but I wore it till it went pink. And then he played for the Patriots and that was fun. Even though Eli got Brady out as many times as well, he's pretty much been in the Super Bowl against Brady and um, also just like, aside from getting to watch players after my original, like actual NFL team lets me down is those moments when you're like, Hey, I picked that guy and he actually like did what I thought he was going to do. And then some, and then everyone's trying to trade for him. You're like, well, you're going to have to pay an arm and a leg for him. Cause I was right. You were wrong. You're not going to get him at that value that I drafted him at because I was willing to take that risk on him and. It just blossomed them for me. That's pretty much how every single Mike Williams owner is feeling right now this year, which is, I mean, I want to get them, but you can't. That's a great and example. Then, and then like with redraft, 
Um, I just love the opportunity that it's like, it doesn't really matter what age your guy is. You can just draft them because you think they're going to have a great season. And so you don't have to like play like the long forecast, like, oh, they're going to be good for this many years. It's like, no, I only have to focus on this season, this season alone. And then as far as dynasty goes, it's like, that's a whole nother ball game. It's like, I would say if you're thinking about dynasty, try out a few keeper leagues first. That way you can have like a slow, like integration into dynasty. If you jump just all in, you're probably going to be frustrated, especially if you did a money league right away. So uh, I would just say tread lightly at first. Don't just like fully jump in unless you have like some keeper experience with that. Uh, because with the dynasty, you're not just keeping a little bit of your team. You're literally keeping the whole team and in some leagues, even parts of your bench. And so, but I don't know, I got lucky a few times and I would just take Patrick Mahomes early just because I love watching him. And now I get to see him in every commercial. And I'm like, well, that dude's on like all of my dynasty teams, if I can possibly have them, because I get to watch him for 10 to 15 years. So, and then I guess, and then my, like, I'd say my second favorite thing, regardless of format, is just getting to play the waivers. Like, I just love getting to play them because those are, like, the fun ways that you can either boost your team. And then, like, one of your buddies is like, oh, how would you beat me to him? Like, I really wanted that guy. It's like, well, like that one commercial with that guy holding the dollar. It's like, yeah, you got to be quicker than that. And, like, that's just – those are just some of my favorite parts about football and fantasy football. And, and then also, it's like, just being – at NDSU, I've gotten to see both like Wentz and Lance play, and now I get to see some of those guys actually get to be in the NFL, even if they get hurt sometimes, because I'm just getting to see them go out and perform and realize that they're more than just a football player. Like They're actually a person. You want them to do well, regardless of what they're doing on the field. You want them to be there for your team. You want to root for them, and I don't know. I shouldn't probably always have that bias when it comes to fantasy football with the guys that I've actually got to meet in person, but I don't know. Everyone's got to live a little bit, dream a little bit. And that's another fun thing with fantasy too. You still have hope. So you mentioned you've had the opportunity to watch both Carson Wentz and Trey Lance as you live in mm-hmm. Fargo. You've been living there for over six years now and yep. uh, had a chance, such an awesome opportunity to watch those guys play live at the Fargo dome. Which mm-hmm. of the two was your favorite to watch in college? Well, I didn't get the luxury of getting to watch a full season of Wentz because that was the year when he actually like broke the bone in his throwing hand. But the games I did watch, like he was just amazing throwing the ball. It's like not only like he, we have, there's, they have such a good line at NDSU for the competition that they play. So like having that like offensive line, um, he can just throw the ball all, all over the field. They didn't have the best of receivers this year, but they had guys that were gritty that would get their work done. Um, so I'd say I was like a quarterback. I think Wentz played it better, but like pure athleticism, I think Lance, like it's not even close. Like the first play I watched at Lance was actually his red shirt year. We're like, who, why'd they put this quarterback in, in the fourth quarter? Well, he ends up running a draw play 60 yards on touch for a touchdown, just unreal. And then I was like, well, we still got a chance even once stick is gone. Cause I also got to watch Easton stick too. Like he wasn't as talented as the rest of the guys but he still played quarterback very well too. And now he gets to hold clipboards for Herbert. <laughs> no, that, that's awesome that you got to watch both of those guys play in college. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went, <laughs> I went to school, what, an, an hour North of you. Yep. And uh, we didn't have a whole lot for football up there at UND. It was. Uh, they're good pretty, now. Yeah. I mean, they're good, but they, they, they're not, they're not, producing any first round quarterbacks like Trey Lance or, or, uh, or Carson Wentz. And when I was out there, yep. they struggled, but that, yep. that is, that's awesome that you got to, to see both of those guys play live in the Fargo dome. I'm sure that was crazy. Yeah, no, it was awesome. We were definitely spoiled. I'll just say that definitely spoiled. Well, speaking of spoiled, you had a chance to hang out with Carson Wentz on a, a weekly basis in college. And let's humanize the game of fantasy football a little bit here because we talk about fantasy football and we're managing these players and it almost seems wrong to, to talk about it in that, in that sense, because it, uh, it takes away from the humanized aspect, the, the culture of, of the actual game. And it seems like he's an incredible guy just watching him and seeing the, the AO one take off. Tell us a little bit about the work you've done with 
a a o one and the foundation with Carson Wentz since he left mm-hmm. college. Yeah, no, like it. It's just something that like for Carson that started even when he was in college. So like a o one, like that just stands for audience one, and that's just how he wants to live his life through and through. And it's just cool just seeing like he is very like visionary with it. And he like wants to reach as many people and impact his community as best that he can. Uh, I think one of it, one of the most interesting things that he actually does is he runs a food truck, even though he's not in Philly, he still has it in Philly. And now they have a second one in Indy, but they call it like thy kingdom crumb. And so it's just kind of funny with that. So it's just a free food truck and they actually go to tailgating too. But then they also hit like low income families that they need as well. And then also like for me, like they're just willing to give me an opportunity to help out with their foundation through getting to be a counselor at um, Camp Conquerors is what they call it. And so with that, you just, we get to just cheer on and celebrate kids that have gone through different medical battles, uh, whether they're currently going through it or they already beat it. Like there's one kid that he has the biggest smile on his face and he beat leukemia. Uh, there's another kid that he's got a huge smile on his face or, and even though like he's looking death right in the face, he's like, Hey, like I see that, but I still see the people around me. And just through like getting encouraged through Carson's foundation. Like, he's like, I have more reason than just myself to live out these last few days, few years that I do have. And like, that's something that it's not like, even if I don't get to meet or see Carson ever again in the rest of my life. Like that's something that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. And I know there's a lot of other people out there, not just in the Fargo area, but like the Bismarck area, Indianapolis, Philadelphia area, that they're going to say the same thing. Uh, Media might paint one other picture, but like Carson, you're not going to find a better dude, honestly, than, than probably him. And if you're from the Midwest, he also loves to hunt and fish probably more than the rest of you. So there's that too. So, but yeah, you know, he just loves giving back whatever way he can. And I think it's just fun just even getting a chance to be a part of that. And also I got to help out with one of his fishing trips that we had for some kids up on Lake Vermilion where he took a muskie and walleye fishing. And those kids just had an awesome time. And even though no one caught muskies, we got to see them. And every kid got to catch a walleye and then we got to have shore lunch with him. And like, honestly, he just wants to do life with people. And that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. He really does seem like an incredible guy. Like I had mentioned in the preface to that question. So thank you for giving us, shedding us some light on the kind of people these NFL players are, especially Carson Wentz. You know, I feel for him every time, you know, last week we're kind of making, making fun of the fact that they should, they should wrap him in bubble wrap. (laughs) and uh, cart him on and off the field, just get his practice reps in, throw in the ball, but don't let him walk yep. around the facility because he might injure uh, another ankle. But yeah, it's he's had a tough NFL career with injuries so far, and obviously with yep. the way things shook out in, in Philly, we, we're hoping for a better fresh start here in, in Indy this year. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he seems like it. Obviously, I didn't know the full background that you just gave us, but he seems like a real easy guy to root for, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously I, I never want to see people get injured like he has. And yep. that poor, that poor guy has dealt with more in his young career than most quarterbacks do in an entire career. So fingers yeah, crossed no that he can, he can get healthy here and, and have a good season with Indy. Cause he's definitely got the talent. So oh, I was just going to say, it's like the talents there. It's just a matter of him staying on the field. And I know he wants to be on there as much as he can, as we saw last week, fighting through the ankle sprains. Yeah, I, I I just wanted to tie it in with with what you said earlier about you know your your favorite part of fantasy football and you'd mentioned that you know you you really like to watch your favorite players and you know mm-hmm. just kind of having that personal connection you know he's got a lifelong fan in you and and I know mm-hmm. going forward you're you're always gonna want to watch him and that's awesome. Uh, oh yeah, I, I'm really happy that you get to you know you get to see the different aspects of, of the game of football and you get to help those kids out. That's just, that's awesome. You know, it just goes to show you life's just not fair and Mm -hmm. Carson's just trying to make a difference. And that, that, that's what it's all about right there. Exactly. Al. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you very much, Levi, for joining us on the podcast today. I know that uh, we have plenty more that you'd like to talk about, and I'm sure we'll bring you back at some point, but it's, it's been 
a great time having you here today and uh, sharing some of your stories and background on fantasy football. We'll get you on again. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, until next time, hope you guys keep it up and it'll definitely be fun listening to you. And I know there's already a few good one-liners you guys got in there so far. So at least laughing at least once every episode so far. So I love to hear it. Only when Al's on. Well, most of the time it's at Al, but anyways, Uh, that's all right. All right, Levi, have a good one. Yeah, you too. All right. Well, it was awesome having Levi here with us today. Thank you again. And we're going to get rolling here with some of our start sit questions for week four. We're going to start with Melvin Gordon or Leonard Fournette. I'll, I'll hop in here right now and just, and just come out and say this um, with the Tampa Bay running backs. If, if you're wondering what to do there, nobody really knows with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. So with, with this to me, th- th- this is almost an, an easier pick for me with, with Gordon. I don't usually ever pick a Tampa Bay running back, but like for me, it's the exact opposite. I don't like, I don't like Melvin Gordon's matchup against Baltimore and they've been straight splitting with Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon with Javante Williams. Like, this week, I think that Tampa Bay is going to hop up on New England. I think the game script's going to going to be run in the second half, and you know, Gio Bernard's hurt, so it's just it's just Fournette and, and Rojo, and they haven't given Ronald Jones a whole lot of time at all this year. So between the two, I mean, neither of them are great options. But if I'm flexing one or or uh, you know R- using one as my RB two, I'm I'm going Leonard Leonard Fournette this week. To be honest with you. I, and you know, that's a good take, but I, I'm going to be on the other end of this and just say that I'm going to take the guys that they're, you know, go between Gordon and Javante Williams. Yeah. They're splitting carries, but they're getting a yardage. They're both putting in touchdowns. They're, they're doing so much more than what Fournette and, and Rojo are doing combined. And I, I don't see that changing in Tampa Bay. So I, I don't really like either option, but I'm going to go Gordon here and say that I'm, I'm going to take the hot hand that people that are actually getting the ball. Yeah, I'll, I'll read through this. So everybody understands where Al's coming from with Leonard Fournette. He only had nine attempts in week one, 32 yards on the ground, 11 attempts on the ground, 52 yards in week two, only four attempts rushing for eight yards in week three, very disappointing outing in week three. Yeah, his receiving work has been okay. In week one, he was five for seven, four for four, uh, and three for three, all for 27, 24, and 26 yards. So he's not doing much with those receptions. He is getting some work in the passing game. With Geo out this week, likely, very likely to sit out this week, as Nick had mentioned, him and Rojo will will split those carries. Um, you know, Fournette hasn't, proved, have, hasn't proven anything to us this season that makes us think that this is a, a must play over Melvin Gordon. So that's why this is a tough start sit question and on the other side of the ball uh we're gonna look at melvin gordon here 11 for 101 13 for 31 and 18 for 60 scored a touchdown on the ground in week one against the giants and then again in week three against the jets has had absolute cake matchups with the jaguars and the jets back-to-back weeks here in weeks two and three giants in week one he hasn't had a lot of receiving work he's only been targeted a total of seven times on the season. And uh, it's, it's not looking great for Melvin Gordon's receiving work. They do have a tough matchup. They, they have to play against Baltimore who has a pretty good uh, rushing defense. It is at home. Does that change things for you? No, no. I think it's going to be a tough game against that Baltimore defense. And I think Tampa Bay gets up on new England early I mean, New England's offense just has not proven that they can score at all. I think that going into halftime, Tampa Bay is going to have a two-score lead, and I think they're going to run the ball a lot in the second half. So that's why I was taking Fournette. But honestly, I, I hate the situation for both those running backs. If you have other options, I would roll with other options. I, I do want to say that both these backs I don't think are going to have great weeks, but they are serviceable. And I know there are a lot of injuries to the running back position. So this is a great question. I think we have multiple listeners in this situation. 
Um, I'm going to split the tie and I'm going to say go with Leonard Fournette. So Al is going to be outnumbered in this one, but could very well be the, the correct one in this start set question. Next, we have Sanders or Chuba Hubbard. Uh, I'm going to go with this one and say go with Chuba Hubbard. Um, I, I think with McCaffrey out, he's he's going to get quite a bit of work. Um, I feel like he he takes that next step and uh, and, and produces this week. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go Chuba Hubbard here. Yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Hubbard as well. I mean, Miles Sanders last week against Dallas, he had two carries for 27 yards, so he was real efficient with his two carries. Um, and then he had three catches for 28 yards. The problem is, is Miles for me at least. Miles Sanders was in for 60% of the snaps. He's losing passing game work to, to Kenneth Gainwell. He plays with a running quarterback. So those running quarterbacks don't dump down as much. You know, they're running the eight yards for the first down rather than dumping it to a running back. And for years now, it just seems like Philadelphia refuses to give Miles Sanders those bell cow numbers. They don't give him enough looks to be a bell cow back. I think Chuba Hubbard in Carolina, as long as McCaffrey's out, they really don't have any other options in that backfield. I think he's going to be that bell cow back. Is he going to be Christian McCaffrey? Absolutely not. But I think that he's going to put up better numbers than Miles Sanders. So that's why I go Hubbard this week. He's not going to be Christian McCaffrey, but will he be last year's Mike Davis? So if you know, as you recall from last year, he got injured. CMC got injured in week two against Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. And Mike Davis came out the next week against the Chargers and put up 19.1 fantasy points in half PPR, following that up with 19.6, 25.4, and 10.5 fantasy points for four straight weeks of RB1 and RB2 numbers. Uh, I, I want to point this out, that he was targeted in those games because people actually question this too, Nick and Al. We have... We have some listeners that are, are asking how much is Chuba Hubbard going to see in the passing game? And I think the answer to their question lies right here in what we saw from Mike Davis last year. CMC gets injured and the game plan doesn't change. You, you still pass the ball to the running back in this Carolina offense. And we had Mike Davis step into this role last year, caught eight balls, five and nine in the first three weeks with CMC absent. So I do think that Chuba Hubbard stays involved in the passing game like CMC was involved in the passing game, which significantly increases his value compared to someone like Miles Sanders, who we know is kind of limited for his ceiling. So going into this question tonight, I was actually leaning the other way. I was leaning Miles Sanders, but listening to both of your points and taking a peek here at Mike Davis from last year, I, I, I think that Chuba Hubbard has much more gas and much more juice in the tank than than Mike Davis does too. So I'm I'm curious. I think I'm gonna go Chuba with you guys and make it a clean sweep. Yeah, I mean I it's gonna be very interesting to see how they use him. I mean obviously McCaffrey gets more work than any other running back just because of the of the targets he gets in the passing game. So it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how uh, how how Darnold utilizes Hubbard this weekend. But he could uh, he could put up a lot of points for for those owners that either had the foresight to draft him, a handcuff McCaffrey, or just draft him, or uh, blew a big part of their fab budget on him. So we'll have to see. I will say this one last piece with Chuba Hubbard. Al, you have Chuba Hubbard in a dynasty league, and you were targeting a trade with the CMC owner to see if he was interested in Chuba Hubbard. He wasn't able to spend up near what you're looking for. Even in redraft leagues, if if you're not the CMC owner and have Chuba Hubbard and he goes off this week, what are you going to look to do with him? I'm either going to hold on or I'm going to look for that CMC owner and they're going to have to pay. Um, you know, if, if this injury is lingering for CMC and obviously McCaffrey being the, the number one running back in fantasy football, I would have to say that that's obviously the biggest piece of their team. So if they're going to go forward and go without the biggest piece of their team, then that's on them. But 
I'm, I'm going to look for something that's going to benefit me. This, there's no right or wrong answer here to me because Chubb on one hand is a RB one and Jefferson is a wide receiver one. So, I mean, it, to me, it looks like, is, is this PPR? Is it half PPR? Is it standard? Let's assume what, half PPR. Yeah. Half assume PPR. half PPR for all these questions. Then I, I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson here. Then um, I, it's tough to take a receiver over a number one running back. Like I said, there's no right or wrong answer to me, but I'm going to go with Jefferson just being a homer with the Vikings thinking that the Vikes are going to pull off a win this weekend. And it's going to be a large part due to Justin Jefferson going off for 120 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I'll jump in and give my two cents here. I understand it's half PPR and these are some top tier players. So it's, Oftentimes you're going to want to lean that receiver in this, in this question. It's the matchup for me that I'm concerned about with how, how much, you know, let's, let's put week one aside. Tyree Hill had a broken coverage touchdown for a long, long gain outside of that one play really. Um, and a big week for Tyree kill in week one, they held most wide receivers in check. You know, they had Brandon cooks, and Houston, which Brandon Cooks has been pretty consistent, but they held him in check for the most part. Chicago last week made, I mean, they had nine sacks. Is that, is that right? Nine sacks on Justin Fields. That offensive line couldn't keep anybody. That is, that is correct. Nine, nine sacks. But just, I, I just got to note something to you quick, Cody, because you said Tyree kill week one had one big play. He had one, one 70 yard pass for a touchdown is what I'm talking oh, about. So, so his other 10 catches for 127 yards didn't mean nothing. What did he end up on the, with the week for the week? 11 catches, 197 yards and a touchdown is what he had week one. So I, I, I just wanted to point that out that he had a great week without the touchdown, even with 10 catches for 130 yards. I mean, that's 18 points that to me right there. I mean, yeah, they, the, the Browns really put the smack down on the bears, terrible game, throw that one right out the door. The, the bears Nagy didn't have a game plan. So I, I just wanted to, to point that out that the number one receiver on, on the chiefs week one, he, he had a great game. And I also, I don't know why I thought this, but I thought Brandon cooks had his worst game of the season. I said, he has been consistent. He's been really consistent. That's actually his best game of the season. It was in Cleveland he went nine for 14 for 78 yards and a touchdown. So I, uh, I'm just off on this one altogether. I was coming into tonight. I had all the stats prepared for Chubb, but I don't even going to read off the stats for Chubb because I think you've convinced me that JJ is the, the right play here. Yeah. I'm taking Jefferson on this one. Tough choice. Uh, my problem with Chubb is the fact that he's constantly got hunt there stealing work from him. If you look at, Chubb's snap percentages in the in the three games this season, 53%, 57%, and 49%. That's not running back one usage. I mean, he makes it work for him, especially when he gets a touchdown. But when he doesn't score, like last week, in, in a half-point PPR league, he only had 8.4 points. So for me, I'm taking Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins is on a roll. Fingers crossed that he continues that this week. You know, Justin Jefferson's going to get his looks. I think Jefferson has a big game, so we'll make it unanimous, and I will go with Jefferson as well. So I got a couple couple uh, Allen Robinson ones for you guys here. Uh, the first one, Cody talked about uh, Brandon Cooks a little bit in, in our previous one. Who would you guys start between Allen Robinson and Brandon Cooks? That That's tough. Uh, I'm, I have both these guys in one league, actually. I, I will be starting both of them. But if I had to choose one, I'm going to go back to exactly what I said about uh, not knowing the Bears situation here. It's tough. You, you drafted Allen Robinson most likely to be a wide receiver one. If you got him as your wide receiver two, that's, you, you must have a pretty deep receiving core. That, that, that's a good start. But not knowing if Foles, Dalton, or Fields are going to be playing, and especially not knowing what Matt Nagy is doing, I think I'm going to lean towards Brandon cooks here. I, I really am. I he's been consistent. Like Cody just said, and I don't see that changing. So with them playing Buffalo, I expect them to get down. I expect that garbage time 
points that Cody loves. Um, so I, I'm going to lean cooks with this one. And I, I'm interested to see what your guys' take is. I'm going to redeem myself here because I, I really did not do my homework on the wide receivers that played against the Cleveland Browns in the first three weeks of the season. Uh, I'll redeem myself with this. I do know that Allen Robinson played against Cleveland Browns last week, and it was horrendous with Justin Fields under center. I had mentioned they had been sacked nine times. He still got six targets in this game, two receptions for 27 yards. It was a complete dud. The week before, two receptions, 24 yards. At least he scored a touchdown to salvage something. Without that touchdown, he has a week just like he did this past week. And in week one with Andy Dalton, who everybody is hoping actually comes back so that we can give Justin Fields a little bit more time to prepare for the NFL, put up six for 11 against the Rams in week one for 35 yards. So Allen Robinson has been underwhelming. He, it's been very tough to watch him and the rest of the Bears offense. I, If I have other options like Brandon Cooks, Alan mentioned if you have Brandon Cooks and Allen Robinson and you're talking about flexing, like between flexing one of those two players, you must have a pretty good deep receiving core. And if that's the case, I am going with the upside of Brandon Cooks. I just can't trust Allen Robinson right now over a receiver like Cooks with knowing what we know about this offense for the bears. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you too on that one. If Nick Foles or Andy Dalton ends up starting for the bears, I'm much more willing to play Allen Robinson. Um, but honestly, at this point, I need him to show me that he can be the Allen Robinson that we all expected when we drafted him as a, as a wide receiver one, or maybe a real high end wide receiver two. So this week I'm going Brandon cooks. It's a real tough matchup against Buffalo. I'm sure Tredavious white will be on Brandon cooks at some point. Although you got to remember Brandon cooks runs a lot out of the slot too. So hopefully they'll run him some quick slants over the middle, you know, quick outs that Davis mills can just flick in the ball and, and get it to him quick. I'm going with cooks on this one too. So another Allen Robinson one, what do you guys think? Allen Robinson or Robert Woods, two really, really disappointing receivers so far this year. I was actually just going to note that we have a Rob. Allen Robinson has a really juicy matchup against Detroit, like bounce back matchup against Detroit. And I'm still taking Brandon cooks over that all day, but now we're talking about two underwhelming receivers and Robert Woods, Rob Bob Woods is not too far behind. It's not like, I don't know. They're, they're both pretty underwhelming and you're pretty upset with both of these players, especially with where you had to draft them in your redraft league. But Robert Woods has at least shown that he can catch the ball. I mean, three for four for a touchdown, five for nine for 64 and three for six for 33 without a touchdown. About 11 points, nine and a half and five points in half PPR. So what? I don't know, Al, what, what do you think about this one? Because this one's much closer for me. Yeah, I, I, I'll have to agree with you and say that I, I believe this matchup is a little closer than the last one. Um, I will say this about Robert Woods. Until he can find his groove with Matt Stafford, I think he, be, he belongs on your bench. Um, I, I, I wouldn't give up on him. I would hold on to him. And you know what? If you still have faith in him and, and maybe you have to start him, maybe you're, you're running into injuries early on. Maybe you don't have the capacity to sit him. Okay. Maybe you're in a deeper league and you have to start him. But going forward, I, I think Woods belongs on your bench. And even this week, it, I, I think the Cardinals Rams game is going to be the, the best game of the week. I think it's going to be super high scoring. I think it's going to be a load of fun and Woods could get involved in that. And I, you know, I could be totally wrong. I'm, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a shootout. I, I love high scoring games when I have guys involved, just like every other fantasy owner. But with this, like you said, a Rob ha does have a bounce back game against Detroit, no matter what, who's throwing the ball. So in this aspect, I think I'm going to have to lean towards Allen Robinson just because at least, you know, he's going to get the targets and we really don't know what's going to happen with Robert Woods moving forward. 
Yeah, honestly, I'm I'm going Allen Robinson on this one as well. Uh, until Robert Woods starts having breakfast with with Matt Stafford, like like uh, Cooper Cup is, you know, their breakfast buddies, and look what that's done to his numbers. Yeah, he's gonna be on my bench. So I'm going Allen Robinson. I think I just think you know both of them have been extremely disappointing. Like we said, uh, I do think Allen Robinson has the higher upside. Cody, you said it perfectly. He has the perfect matchup for a, ba- a bounce back game. Fingers crossed that they put Foles or, or Dalton in. I, I, don't, I just don't think Fields is ready and, and that they just, you know, shoot him with a ton of targets. So Cody, I don't, I don't know if you officially picked one there. You were kind of waffling going back and forth. Which one did you end up going with? Allen Robinson clean sweep uh, for that one. All right. Clean sweep for Robinson. I mean, it's a, like we said, it's a tough choice, but, uh, all right, so we'll move on from the receivers. Looks like we got a couple of quarterback questions here. This first one is a really tough one because it's it's something that a lot of people probably have, and that would be Justin Herbert or Kirk Cousins. Obviously, a lot of people took Herbert early, you know, in the top six, seven quarterbacks, and they might have grabbed Cousins as the as their QB two if they were drafting two of them. So Cousins has been extremely hot. Herbert did have a bounce back week last week. Where are you guys going on this one? You know, before we get there, I just wanted to give Caleb a shout out. One of our listeners on Instagram uh, messaged us and says, do I sit Robert Woods after missing three weeks of breakfast dates? And I said, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, you 100%. do. And he you didn't even give us, he didn't even ask like, should I start or should I sit him for this player? He just said, do I sit Robert Woods <laughs> after missing three weeks of breakfast dates? Uh, yeah. I mean, don't sit him for, you know, <laughs> somebody's fourth receiver, but yeah, I mean, he, he needs to get in there with Stafford. Come on. Cooper cup's been doing it and he's been wide receiver one. Let's go learn, learn how to flip cakes. Hey, yeah, do you learn. do you guys think that Stafford and cup have been talking about lacrosse? Oh, that's a good question for Caleb. We should ask him. I I'll, mean, I'll message that, him. That, yeah. I mean, I, I know that Caleb's a big uh, lacrosse fan. So I, I'm just wondering if uh, that's why woods isn't going or not. So I just had to throw that out there. All right. So back to our start sits here. Got kind of off on that one, which is, which is always fun. So you two Kirk cousins or Justin Herbert, who you got? I'm going to go. This is another tough one where I, I, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Um, I cousins has been playing as a, as a top six quarterback, fantasy quarterback. I don't think that this matchup is bad for him. I think that he can go through and he can, he can put up big numbers again this week. Just like I said about Jefferson. Um, but on the other hand, with the way that Las Vegas has been playing, I also think that there's going to be a shootout in, in LA with the chargers and the Raiders. So I think both quarterbacks can put up QB high QB one numbers this week. So to me, I would say flip a coin, but me being the homer I am, I'm I'll just go out there and I'll say cousins just because I, I know I'm I'm pretty sure you guys are gonna go Herbert. So I let's get some variety going here. I'm just gonna point out that uh, my first stat line was gonna be well, the Raiders defense actually looks pretty good this year, and they have up until last week when they put against Jacoby Brissett, who everybody thought they were gonna absolutely shell and intercept him four or five times. Jacoby Brissett completed 32 for 49. For 215 yards, he did not score through the air, nor did he throw any interceptions, but he did put up seven for 37 and a touchdown on the ground. And I do think that Herbert can get it done against the Raiders. And this is a big, you guys have to remember, this is a big divisional matchup here. You know, these are two teams that, you know, the Chargers are third in the division. Chiefs, obviously, we had talked about being in last now that the, the Chargers beat them. But the Raiders are on top with the Broncos at three and all. This is going to be a shootout just as much as as the Vikings game could be a shootout uh, with Cleveland here. We haven't seen much of a shootout with Cleveland yet, have we? Just kind of been a run, running attack. We haven't seen Baker unleash the, the ball. But uh, yeah, anyway, so I think I'm just going to go with uh, Justin Herbert because of his big week last week. And I think he continues. Ooh, I get to break the tie on this one. Uh, tough, tough, tough one to pick. 
uh, would love to pick Cousins. Cousins is, has been playing great. Um, but Herbert Herbert did have a, a big bounce back week last week. And I'm going to go with Justin Herbert on that one as well if I got to pick between the two. So here's a here's a here's a tough uh, quarterback quarterback question. Like Cody said here, a lot of beef in this one. We got Big Ben Roethlisberger or Jacoby Beef Brisket Brissett. Who you guys got on that one? Now, like we we were talking about this earlier. Al said, "God, who's who's starting either of those two? Well, if you're in a, a two quarterback league, you might have this question for for your quarterback too. So that being said, if you got to choose between the two. Which which beef you guys going with here? I'm staying away from the uncooked worthless burger, and I'm going with the well smoked beef brisket. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it make this one easy on Nick. Uh, actually, no, I'm not. Um, you're staying away from Big Ben. I'm hopping in on the Big Ben train against Green Bay here. Um, I hoping for a shootout, baby. What do you got, Nick? Double down on that bet is what you're doing. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna bet on any of these, uh, but I am gonna with with some of his receivers coming back here. I'm I'm gonna take Big Ben on this one too. Jacoby Brissett for me is is more of a game manager type of quarterback. I get it. I mean, honestly, with these two, you you could flip a coin, but I'm I'm going Roethlisberger on this one. Um, I do think that I I. Uh misspoke and i said an undercooked worthless burger yeah you it's definitely definitely an overcooked yeah burnt yeah, yeah. hockey puck worthless yes. burger yes too too many too many hits over the years that's for sure he is uh he is showing his age this year and it's this could be it for for Roethlisberger. it absolutely is yeah uh what, one last question for you guys this is this is uh coming from asking for a friend okay Asking for a friend is it, it, is it you or or is it an actual friend? No, I I'm friends with myself. Does that count? <laughs> oh, no. all right, all right. Oh, all right. you have one friend, Cody. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I can count on one hand how many friends I have. One finger, one finger. Uh, Tannehill or Daniel Jones? And I'm listen. This is why I'm struggling with this. I I went back and forth last week. Tannehill or Daniel Jones? I ended up playing Tannehill. I realize that we had gone through our injury report and AJ Brown and Julio Jones are likely to miss this week, leaving Ryan Tannehill throwing to absolutely nobody in Tennessee. And I don't know what to do. And I'm already tilting and we're on, we're on Thursday. So I, I, but I'm in to the weekend yet and I'm tilting. Yeah. You know, the, the thing is though, Daniel Jones could be without Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard. Two though, I mean, both of these quarterbacks could be without two of their top receivers, which makes things awful tough. They both have running ability, you know, uh, flip a coin on this one. Daniel Jones has a tough matchup against new Orleans. I mean, they've played pretty, pretty darn well so far uh, to start the season. Ryan Tannehill is playing against the jets. Honestly, on this one, I don't like Daniel Jones's matchup against new Orleans. Even even without those receivers, I'm I'm rolling Ryan Tannehill and praying that he can find someone to throw to. You know, I was I was listening to the episode last night, uh, just trying to get a sense for how the audio is sounding, and I have Al jumping in saying that Derek Henry is going to get 47 touches for 1,700 yards this week. Yeah, you heard it here, folks. You heard it here first. And I'm if you, telling you right now, if you know, Derek Al, Henry, if you know, Al, get a hold of him, you know, make that bet with him, get, get it on record, get it on record as much money as he'll bet. Let's 1700 go. yards. Yeah, I, I, I had to come up with a number and that that's, that's what I could come up with. It's, it's a gazillion billion trillion, not a <laughs> hundred seventy yards or like 200 yards of 1700. Yep. It, it it's gonna be a bloodbath. I I'm pretty sure from here I can hear Derrick Henry starting up the old tires right now. He's just squealing. No, he's he's ready to go. He he is gonna blow the doors off of the Jets. It's it's gonna happen. So is that on the back of Ryan Tannehill? Can you dump a couple of those off? Yeah. No. 
no, Tannehill. Come on. Tannehill, they might just let Derrick Henry play quarterback. Well, you know what? I think Derrick Henry's going to get him down to the one-yard line, and Tannehill's just going to, you know, sneak a couple of them in and totally redeem his fantasy day. He might. But, hey, uh, we talked about how Derrick Henry had six receptions in week two. He had three receptions last week for 31 yards. You think he yeah, can get a couple of scores a, for me? He's going to have a reception and a half now if, uh, if the trend keeps going. All right. Well, I'm hoping for Ryan Tannehill then. Daniel Jones is going to stay on waiver wires for another week, and we're going to keep rolling with Tannehill. That's it for today's show. Thank you again for tuning in. Thank you for the messages on Instagram and Facebook, as well as texting us and calling us. As you are running this show. We're just sitting here talking about it and giving you some, some of our takes. So thank you again for another awesome week of this fantasy football podcast, and we will see you and hear from you next week. Thanks, everybody. Keep up that support. Thank you, everybody, and uh, have one more on Thirsty Thursday for me. Goodbye. Thank you.